Yes, coming in hot with episode 60 of the Football Played on Paper podcast. I'm Sean, and joining me on my pod today is Jobba. Yeah, g'day. It's good to be on your pod. Thanks so much for your efforts. <laughs> no worries. You sound good as always, mate. Um, and also joining me on my pod is uh, Barney. How are you, bud? Good. Thanks, Sean. How are you, Jobba? Yeah, look, I'm great, Sam. Really excited to be here. I've missed you, boys. Um, and obviously, it's been a massive week in football as well, especially for you Spurs fans, Barney. A few Spurs fans. What have they been up to? Well, you had nothing to play well, for. To get to the big one, mate. Nothing to play for, and you still ruined it for someone else. <laughs> that's what we. That's what we like. We like to share the pain around. So we've had a terrible season. We're like, you know what? You've won the FA Cup. Let's bring you back down to the real world. You don't know hurt. All right, what's the flavour <laughs> of the pod, Sean? Oh, flavour of the pod, huge, huge week in football. A couple of titles handed out, um, a full Premier League review. Um, then we've got the um, European B-League final to decide. Of course, the Champions League final. Um, and then the richest game in football to be decided as well this weekend. So, full sheet. So, we may as well crack in with the weekly happenings. What's happening? All right. So, I know, I know you boys are um, big fans of Diego Simeone's kahunas. But it came, it came down to the last day in La Liga. And honestly, you could see his kahunas coming through that black-on-black suit, couldn't you? <laughs> That's tight. <laughs> he loves a black-on-black suit, doesn't he? But just ridiculous. Luis Suarez, like, flogged off by Barcelona, didn't want him, and he scores the winner as well to get him, like, to win him the league. Yeah, he's had a, he's had yeah, a, a great oh, – sorry, you go, Sean. You go. Go on. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, it's a great story by um, Suarez to come back and um, and obviously score the winner, yeah, win the title after being sacked off from Barca. But I don't think, like, he not seems to be the one to sort of, you know, hold on to that at all, is he? Like, it didn't come up in every single match interview he did after either, um, with one of the quotes being, um, yeah, Barca didn't believe in me. Atletico have opened the door and welcomed me in. Um, I can't explain how grateful I am for Atletico, and I hope I proved those Barca boys wrong. That that could, that could have been honestly from his first interview with Atletico or his re- most recent. <laughs> Every week, yeah, he's not holding any grudges. But uh, no, look, more power to him. Obviously, they play the beautiful game, or in my view, the beautiful game, like twenty percent possession, sitting deep. You just don't see it enough. Um, but really good. Oh, they're great and numbers, aren't they? The other big surprise, and I know, Barney, you were very excited about this as a massive Pochettino fan, but year one and he's butchered the league. <laughs> well, I mean, it was lovely to see Lil get up and win the league, a team that actually declared for bankruptcy halfway through the season and had a change of ownership um, and still somehow managed to win a league. Uh, but it is the French league, so it's it's a bit shambolic over there. But so yeah, the, the last time they won the league, um, Eden Hazard was the French player of the year. Yeah, it was 10 years ago, wasn't it? Mm. I think, yeah. yeah. What's Crazy. he doing now? Will they come for Pochettino's head? What? Is he still you... employed now? Yeah, currently. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on Pochettino watch, and yes, he is still employed. Watch, watch. Yeah, Poch watch, but um, I don't know. It, it'd be a, it'd be a huge statement to to sack him off. Yeah, one they're not afraid to make, I think. Um, so in the Serie A, it was a crazy finish, and Napoli kind of ruined it for everyone, didn't they, Sam, by uh, rolling over on the last day? Yeah, it really would have been nice to see Juventus get mugged off out of the Champions League, didn't win the league, Pelo gets sacked, Ronaldo leaves, the club's in shambles, and then they get Massimiliano Allegri back next year and win it all again. So it would have been a nice story, but now they've kept Pelo in a job by getting getting the uh, fourth spot in the, with their last chance. So a bit of a stat for you here, Sean, one that you might enjoy. Who do you think is the leading scorer in the Serie A this year? Because I know you've been big on Romelu Lukaku. Yeah, well, I would have said Rom. Yeah. Is that, is that only, nice? Only player in history to be the leading scorer in the Premier League, La Liga and the Serie A. Just ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, he was ready to move on, though, wasn't he, at Manchester United? Mm-hmm. And not many, including myself, saw this coming, this turnaround. Like, you thought that's where his career is going to go to die. But, um, no, he's done really well. Uh, even with Perla at the helm. All right, last one is – oh, we've got two, actually. So, the next one is the Harry Kane transfer saga begins. Sam, talk me through this. 
He's already gone. Like, was was he on trial the other day against Lister for Manchester City? Is that what that was? <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think so. That might have been his yeah his practice game. See if Pep wants him. But no, nah, he's um, lots of l- reports out there saying he wants to leave. Um, Kane was pretty quiet until that uh, Sky Sports interview with Gary Neville on the golf course uh, came out, which might have been a bit of a bit up yours to Gareth Bale. <laughs> um, playing on his favorite pitch, but uh, no, yeah, it was a bit. It was very controversial. I think it was like it was a pretty. For me, it was a pretty timid interview. It wasn't that much that he said that was like could be taken in the wrong context. But of course, it's football and it's media, so it was definitely taken in the wrong context. And people like want Kane's head. They reckon he's really dogged the club, and I, I didn't think there was too much wrong with it. But yeah, other people are seeing it differently. What do you think? What what do you think, Sean? You said he dug the club off there, didn't you? <laughs> Why you got that hand, weird hand gesture when you say that? Um, no, I I thought the interview was a bit odd, um, actually, and he pretty much just come out and said that yeah, he's ready to leave, and um, Spurs may as well cash in on him because he's worth a hundred million, which is an odd thing to say. But he also said that he wanted the whole thing closed out before the Euros start, which is That's interesting because um, I see this. Yeah, I see this whole thing dragging on for a very, very long time. And at the time we're recording, we have 18 days, 8 hours, 12 minutes and 48 seconds until the kickoff of the first game. So, I mean, you better um, – Daniel Levy better get his skates he's, on if he wants this all to drag out on before out either, stuff. Levy, he, he won't drag this out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He won't leave it to last day. No. <laughs> really going really to ruin it for us if there isn't a saga because what are we going to talk about? Hmm. <laughs> That's a good content. <laughs> Pochka under Palace. All right, so the last one is I've had a raft of Hall of Fame inductees in the last couple of weeks, Sean. I know this one's close to your heart. So who's gone into the Hall of Fame? Uh, it is Thierry Henry is in. Mm. Um, Eric Cantona is in. And Eric was rather humble about that. <laughs> oh, that was it. Wasn't he? Some of the greatest quotes, quotes, quotes I've ever seen for a player. What, oh what did God. Eric have to say? <laughs> so good. Do you, to, do you want me to read him out? I've got him here. Yeah, go on. I'm very happy and very proud, but at the same time, I'm not surprised. <laughs> the others the, <laughs> the others are all great, but me, I'm exceptional. <laughs> Extre- oh extremely humble yeah. from young Eric. It sounds like you were a job oh, interview. Oh, you know... <laughs> <laughs> Job interview as if I turn up to one of them, mate. Um, no, no, I I like to think, and Sam, as you were reading those out, I had my eyes closed, picturing Eric with his um collar up, sipping a, a vino somewhere um in the south of France. So I'm sure, I'm sure, um, he's very much deserving of that. All right. So who who else have we got in the inductees? So Eric was humble as always. Uh, we got Roy Keane, brilliant, got in there. Should have been the first round. David Beckham. Oh, yeah. Stevie G. Yeah, Stevie. And he's mm. offside of Frank. <laughs> and Dennis Bergkamp, who I like, I wouldn't say he's like, not deserved of it, but I didn't think he'd be in this early. I thought maybe Vieira or someone might have Cheeky. been in before that. Cheeky by Arsenal. Come on. He's only played like three or four years. Who's <laughs> 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 next, Saka? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> what a season, though. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I've, the only one I've got reservations about is Dennis Bergkamp, to be honest. Yeah. I, I was like, he was very good and, you know, for 11 years. But I was like, I don't know. I wouldn't wouldn't put him in a Hall of Fame. He's not in the category of those other players. You look at his goals and assists. They're not great numbers. No, but it's, I suppose his game wasn't really about numbers. He was quite the purest. But, yeah, I don't know. Not not sold on him. I, I think you could have easily found a spot for Nemanja Vidic ahead of him. But like, I'm not biased at all. <laughs> Clearly. All right. So let's move on to the opening question, boys. We've spent enough time in these weekly happenings. So I'll give you a quick quiz here. Sean, give me uh, who surprised you this season and who was the biggest letdown for you this season? Mm, I think the biggest letdown would be Wolves. I think Avalok, where they finished 13th, um, lost their last uh, three games. And just coming from where they came from, I just think, yeah, a bit disappointed in them dropping down as far as they dropped down. I think they, I thought they were going to at least hold or, or maybe even push into that um, next tier coming from where they were. But yeah, Wolves probably the biggest disappointment for me this year, and the biggest overachiever for me is probably West Ham. Finished sixth, 
you know, got a little bit wobbly towards the end there, but um, yeah, pulled through, won their last couple and secured Europa League football ahead of Spurs. So yeah, um, Wolves underachieving and West Ham overachieving. What about you, Barn? Yeah, for me, I'd have to agree with Sean on the overachiever. I think West Ham had an amazing season, especially when they started a bit flat as well, um, but then really kicked it into gear around the new year. And, um, yeah, obviously deserved very much in that sixth position. And, I mean, we were talking about them for a Champions League spot for a long time there, and they stuck around for a, a lot longer than probably what a lot of people thought. So, yeah, fantastic job by Moisey and, and the lads. Um, and yeah, like I said, deserved position at sixth. Underachiever, uh, for me, I would have to say it's Sheffield United. Like they, like they all, they were like a few points off making Europe last year. And to have like the turnaround they've had this year and how bad they were. And like they almost went, they were going to go down as like the worst Premier League team of all time. But like they were, they were shocking for me. Really they shocking. They just didn't evolve, did they? So, nah, nah. Six, 16 points from safety they were in the end. That's a, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah. it's very never, far. never looked like getting safe. What about you, Josh? So I um, I was going to say the biggest surprise packet was the little club that could Manchester City. Um, you know, no budget, <laughs> no players, no. No, West Ham. Like you just can't look past them. Like just outrageous. Moisey was so close to well, – I was so close to getting relegated last year. Absolute banter club. Like I know we spent a couple of weeks, Sean, taking the piss out of him in the preseason. Um but he absolutely turned it around. They've just become so solid, even though they had a couple of blips towards the end. They're just such a respectable football side. Biggest disappointment for me, and I had to toss up between these two, I think it was Southampton. Like I feel yeah. like they were on a really good path and they had the Austrian Klopp in there and they were playing like really like elegant and nice football with the set pieces of Ward Prowse as well. you got Shea Adams and Danny Ings up top, but they just – Oh, they were lucky that the teams below them were just so bad not to get relegated because at points in the season, they were just awful. They were very bad. Copped another nine from, uh, from was it, it was Leicester this year, right? And it was United the previous nah, season. No, Manchester United this year, Leicester last uh, year. I got it, got it turned what around. performance, eh? I, I think, I think. Uh, You're mixing your nine years yeah, up. I know, there's so many these days. <laughs> I think uh, a close second for me for worst or biggest underachiever of the year was Everton's home form. Yeah, I was going to throw them in the mixer. They were bloody awful towards the end of the season. Oh, they were bad. All right, boys, let's get into it. So where else do we start than the fixture that meant the most, the one that split the two weakest members of the pod down the middle, Leicester City 2, Tottenham 4. Hey, Barney, I'll go to you first. The boys, no Centotteringham's day this year. Get get off your eye horse, Josh. Uh (laughs) Yeah, great result for, for Spurs, obviously. Prevents the St. Totterham's Day, which is uh, probably our biggest achievement in the last five years. Um, but, yeah, I think the Leicester looked pretty good early on. Um, they definitely came out the stronger team. Um, and there was a ve- I think that auto-wheel tackle was a uh, real interesting one to put in. The old behind the leg with Jamie Vardy running, running across you in the box. Um, decision-making was a bit poor on that one. Barney, I'm going to interject there, and I'm just going to say the two goals that Tottenham conceded were just an absolute beautiful synopsis of the crap that Spurs fans put up with. Like that from out of was so lazy. And then Davison Sanchez follows it up with a, a wonderfully clumsy challenge on Jamie Vardy. Yeah, Sanchez's one was like, I think it was like he shouldn't have made the challenge, but Vardy also went down fairly easy. But I mean, you 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 get those anyway. So he should, like I said, he shouldn't have made the challenge. But I mean, Vardy slots home that first pen beautifully, smashed the side netting, one um, nil. And then yeah, the second pen was uh, again clumsy challenge. Um, Vardy Vardy slots at home again, and I reckon Leicester fans were thinking Red Bulls on ice here. We are home. Um, um, Larice stayed still for that pen too. Did you see? Um, he stayed in the middle. He thought Vardy was going to um smash it down the middle. So, I don't know if you noticed yeah, a nice pen by. by he one. stands in the middle for most pens these days. I just think he gives up. I just think he's like, ah, yeah. oh, fuck it. What's the point? Just gives up, he's yeah. like, so many pens. I see him stay down in the middle. He's waiting for a penenka, and no one's ever done a penenka against him. Because that second penalty in in the same game is is difficult to take. Yeah, um, if you ever have to do take that second even hand. harder, but creating chances, which Leicester just didn't do outside of the penalties. 
Um, well, I think the the two challenges were, I would just say clumsy, but mm. I think going, as soon as Vardy gets on that other side of you, he's just an absolute master of drawing a foul, like yeah. whether that be slowing down and waiting for you to clatter into him or, you know, leaving a, a trailing leg there to get clipped and stuff like that. So, yeah, pr- probably did go down a bit easy on a couple of those, but at the same time, I'm sure um, he knew exactly what he's doing. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I think, but the, uh, I think, what really uh, probably disappoints Leicester fans, and Sean, you can correct me here if, if I'm wrong, but the Schmeichel coming out for that second <laughs> Tottenham goal, my God, he, he slapped at it, completely mit- like skimmed it off his fist straight into the goal, and then he stood there and was like, oh, that's got to be a foul. You could see him mouthing it. And like how like wasn't even close to being yeah. a foul. It was like, like straight up and down jump that Sanchez did. He misses the ball, and he's like, oh, got to be a foul, surely. Someone save me. Disappointing from him um, in, in that particular situation. I, I think he, like, as a Leicester fan, you've got almost got to forgive him just based on the the year he's had and the, I suppose, the FA Cup final and some of those saves that, that he made there. Um, like he doesn't make many mistakes. So, yeah, appreciate he made it in, in this, this crucial time. So, um, but he was due for a mistake. He'd been playing so well all year. Um, and, it, and if that's the only mistake he makes all year, I think you'd probably take that. You compare him and some of the other mistakes that have been made across the league by all the keepers, um, yeah, I think he's directly leading to a goal would be rather low. So, yeah, not great keeping, but um, forgivable, I think. His dad would have punched it properly, just FYI. He's your next probably told him that after that. the game. And um, Aston Villa legend, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, so there, obviously, obviously, the critical moment occurred soon after Gareth Bale's thrown into the mixer. Hey, well, yeah. what a way to finish! The golfing superstar Gareth Bale. I'm surprised. Surprised he didn't start. Really? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, well, he had been starting under old Meso. Um, Meso had sort of been throwing um, him, Sonny, Ali. And Kane all all in the same squad, and just you know getting those easy um, vibes from the from the Spurs fans to get him on side, which is something that uh, that every, all Spurs fans were begging for with Jose, but never actually happened. So um, yeah, and he had started the last couple, so interestingly he didn't start, but yeah, what an impact as soon as he came on, sixty eight minutes. Yeah, that that was a uh, just good patience by Harry there to hold mm-hmm. on to the ball and some good link up play before that with, between Bale and Son and, and Harry. Um, and then Bale just tracks in late and gets the good finish. But the um, I was more impressed with the uh, Leicester defending on that last goal with Bale <laughs> where he just drives from so far out. What defending? <laughs> exactly. And he just runs in and you're like, oh, yeah, someone's going to go towards him soon. And they sort of all just parted like the red seat and just like, here you go, Gareth, just, just finish this off, please. End this pain. And, uh, yeah, hits the post. Even gets a one-two off the, uh, the left upright. And uh, and then slots at home with the bounce off Soyuncu. But yeah, yeah, I think that's one of the biggest differences between these these two teams. I think Spurs have got players like um, Gareth Bale and Lamella on the bench, um, and Lucas Mora on the bench, who can all come in and you know change the game. I think if you look at Leicester's squad and in particular the bench in this game, there's not a lot to go to there to change the change the game. Like the only forward-looking players you got there is Dennis Pratt, who's been out for half a season injured, and Jose Perez. Um, outside of that, um, yeah, we had uh, four defenders and two defensive midfielders on the bench. So yeah, a wafer thing squad for Leicester, which I think sort of saw their season. Peter out and the, the FA Cup run took a long a lot out of them. Um and so I think yeah, they probably ended up finishing where they finished and probably deserved deserve that based on um the amount of injuries they had and the yeah, as I said, their thin squad oh, um, and their it. ability to inject players like that. Oh yeah, I'm like, we're gonna end Have a look at the bench. I'll read you out the bench. Danny Ward, Wes <laughs> Morgan, Daniel Amate, um, Ricardo Pereira, Kristen Fuchs, um, Hamza Chowdhury, um, and Pappas Mendy. All defenders, goalkeepers, or defensive midfielders, and then Dennis Pratt, who hasn't played in half a season, and Jose Perez. So, yeah, I think Leicester just didn't have anything to change the the, the game. That's two more Premier League winners than Tottenham had in their whole team on your bench. (laughs) Just in the bench. (laughs) No, but uh, sure, do you think like this really forces the owner's hand now to actually go out and spend on some reinforcements for the for next year? Because that's like two years in a row, you've basically had the same finish where you've been very consistently good for the whole season and then 
petered off at the end with injuries and and a long season and then like basically a mirror image this season again like surely like you can't just put yeah. it down to an anomaly now it's got to be we've got to improve yeah, I think so. I don't know whether it forces his hand and, and they actually do spend some money, but as you said, I think the answer and the solution is just so obvious. You've yeah, got to thicken up that squad exactly. um, in terms of depth and then you probably just need to round it out. Not a lot, but just a little bit in terms of that high-end quality. So I think, yeah, Leicester are only sort of two, maybe three signings away from um, yeah, just being a a standard Champions League team. I think if you look at their season last year and they had, as I said, those two or three players at the top end, um, well, not even really at the top end. You just, you probably just want like a... Um, solid squad someone players, who's, right? Yeah, at the, yeah, yeah. At, the, at the Madison level or like um, or just under Tillman's type level and maybe some depth at the back. I, and I think, yeah, they would be bang up in there. So, yeah, they're not far away. And as I said, the the... Solution is obvious. It's just a matter of whether they want to inject the funds and do it. Dragon, they'd sell you Harry Maguire back for 120 mil. <laughs> it's your. Oh, you can have him. Bloody hell, Moonbrook. Uh, no, I think and the other thing. The other thing to say on on Leicester is that, like, um, as nice as it would have been to be in the Champions League, I think if you're looking long term and not to yo-yo, um, it's probably best that they have another year in the Europa to build out their squad and then make that that jump. I think one thing that was difficult and you see teams do is well, if they have a great season and make the top four, um, to go from sort of essentially no European football or one season in Europe to Champions League football, um, you need those four, five, six headline players um, at the top end of, of your um, wage structure and transfer fees to be able to stay in that space. So I think gradual steps long-term are probably better for Leicester, as nice as it would have been to be in the Champions League this year. Yeah, yeah right. So, that, so, Barney, give me a quick uh, synopsis here. Are you happy with Spurs' season sneaking into seventh? <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, we're into the inaugural ECL, which is – I describe to describe it to people as like a reverse ESL where only the shit teams play each other <laughs> every week. So, uh, yeah, really happy we made it into the third tier of the European competition. Uh, I feel like it's a very Spurs thing to be in that the first season. But, no, I'm not happy with the with the season. I think it's not even like – like it's also the way you, you, we went about the season. Like you could finish seventh and still probably be like somewhat pleased. But, like, geez, the way we played this season was so fucking painful. And, yeah, there's, it's been a pretty dour, dour year, especially when we were like – Jose's first year in in charge, like full year in charge and getting bail back, like very good vibes at the start of the year and it just petered off very quickly um, and did not did not last at all. And would you um, sell yeah, Harry to fund, to fund the rebuild? Look, I as long as we don't do a rebuild like we did when we got AVB in, that was terrible. Um, if you get a coach with a bit of a better vision in, then and yeah, and just like spend it on maybe like, one or two key players, sell a few players and sort of mould the squad to how you how you like. I think that's better than buying seven players and trying to start them all on the one side together from five different leagues. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, I, I wouldn't mind seeing him go, but I'd also love to see him stay. Who, um, Barney, who are you looking um, in terms of a short list for, for managers? Um, have you got sort of a, a top three in, in mind that you'd like to see them look at? Like you've got um, Nuno who's, who's leaving Wolves. Um, you've got the old fella leaving Crystal Palace. <laughs> um, Allegri, Allegri is unav- um, available. So, yeah, have you got got a short list of who you think? Uh, well, I think so there was a uh, – a- one of the um, a well-known Tottenham reporter came out and said that apparently they've they've picked like the selection committee's picked who they want to go for, and now they're just investing mm. all their time and effort into getting that person, um, and they want it sorted in the next ten days. So um, I think they might be looking at Brendy Rogers because there was a rumor that like if they if Leicester didn't make Champions League, they were going to go all in on Brendy because they thought they might be able to get him. I still don't think they'll be able to get him. But um, my number one for me is probably Brendan. Number two, uh, probably Ten uh, Ten Hag from Ajax. He just uh, race on. It won't be him. 
Yeah, I know, but it, I, I, uh, he resigned like a couple of weeks ago, and they were saying that's because he didn't interview well at Tottenham. But then there was also still more, more, um, more reports again this week that he's, uh, he's back in the mix still. Like it was just like a, a standard re-signing thing. It wasn't like a um, commitment to Ajax guarantee for the future. I, um, I heard the interview went poorly because um, he didn't want the job and he didn't understand why they were calling him. <laughs> he didn't know who he was talking to. <laughs> Daniel who? So, so um, Job, you are Brendan Rogers, right? I mean, you've got the same um, same teeth really anyway. But, um, yeah, you're Brendan Rogers okay. in this scenario. Okay. Do you look at going to <laughs> – good. Uh, do you look at going to Spurs or would you stay at Leicester if you were Brendan? You're staying at Leicester, surely. Like yes. the Leicester's just so much more balanced and you're, you're higher on the table in consecutive years. I don't see what the upside – and Harry Kane's on the way out. Like your best player's on his way out. What's the upside of him going to Spurs? Like uh, playing in the conference league, like it, they're not a bigger – like right now, they're not a bigger club. Stay at Leicester, you're a hero. Yeah. They love you. You've got a team that loves you. Um, I think the owners would be more inclined to back him. I feel like it must be a really difficult operating environment at Tottenham. Like cause I think they think that they're bigger than what they are. And like the, but Daniel Levy seems to be in trying to be in everything as well, as opposed to the chairman yeah. who is like, I'm the chairman. I'll show up and you know come like Abramovich and throw some cash in sometimes and watch the games, but I'm not day to day. Like I don't want that. Yeah, not in a way. But he's even yeah, no, I, I think pro- he's got he's trying to be in everything. Yeah, I think I probably agree. I just wasn't sure if I was just seeing it through. Um, you know, Leicester City um, classes that, that I, I probably agree. If I was Brendy, I, I wouldn't go there. Um, I think you've got more opportunity and a better base at Leicester than you do Spurs. Um, and yeah, for Spurs, I think they're just in that stage, aren't they, at the moment where they're just, they've got growing pains where they, they think they're bigger than what they are, but then they're still in Europe, but then they've got some world-class players, but then the back staff um, and the board is a mess. Yeah, but then they've got a new stadium. Do you know what I mean? Like they're sort of they're half in and half out. The growing pains are just obvious to see. Yeah. All right, let's move on, boys. So that is it for them. So Leicester City dropped down to fifth. We'll wheel back around to Chelsea's crazy final day, but they missed out in the Champions League in the Europa League. Tottenham going to the Conference League, finishing seventh, a point above Arsenal, but they were... <laughs> We're behind West Ham, their London rivals. So we'll quickly move on to the next one. Not a lot going on here. Wolves won, Manchester United 2, Nuno's last game. Sean, was there anything exciting about this game? There was some Dutch bloke who played for Manchester United and I've never seen before. Um, but he, he wasn't the most yeah. so team sheet. So many changes on the Manchester United side um, in terms of personnel. So much so that, as you say, we saw Donny start a game. Wow. Absolute and disrespect. one matter, one man one was uh, man of the match. So that's how you know that Manchester United made some changes. But I don't know. Yeah, I think it was hard to sort of dive in and get too excited about this because, as you say, Wolves had nothing to play for. Um, Manchester rolled out. That's probably their... That's not even their second team, really, is it? That's that's probably their um, second or third team, um, two and a half teams. And then Dan James, oh, the only other thing I've got to say on him is what about that little dink finish he tried to um, <laughs> oh, finish Oh, my God. On? Oh, is it by the boot? But, good. yeah, nah, not a very exciting game for me. Um, and, yeah, man, you winning 2-1. Yeah, anything from you, Barn? I actually don't have anything. I watched this game as, like, you're watching all the games same time. I watched this game as the priority, but I was like, my God, this is hard to watch. I think the only highlight was me, and I think, Sean, why he tried that dinked shot is because of the unreal cross he put in for that first goal to Alanga. That was that was a great left-footed cross, but then yeah. he, he undid all that good work with that little dinked shot he had. So, yeah, Dan, Dan James evening out, still shit. <laughs> I thought you were going to say um, he tried that because he does have it in the locker, but no, he clearly doesn't. Uh, he so, does and the other thing, I know I don't like bagging individual players, but even with that Manchester United <laughs> team, Adama still couldn't get on the score sheet. Yeah, yeah. Poor Sad to say. But Manchester United form up and never has, go on. No, I was going to say, never has someone's potential been so high and the output been so low as <laughs> Yeah. So Manchester United finished in a comfortable second 
Crazy year for them. Um, unbelievable result finishing above Liverpool, Chelsea, and Leicester City. Comfortable in Champions League. Uh, Wolves have a very disappointing year, finish in 13th. So let's move on to the next one, which is West Ham 3, Southampton 0. The tale of my overachievers and my underachievers. What would you make this one, Barn? The full strength hammers put the Saints to the sword. Nice. They, they were uh, completely outdone in possession, West Ham, but they were, they were absolutely clinical when it mattered most. Um, yeah, like, like Saints had like, I think it was like 67 or close to 70% possession for this game, but yeah, just didn't do much with it. They were um, just fairly beaten by Hammers. I mean, they, they had a good early counter in the 10 minutes mark where they um, off, I think it was off even a West Ham corner. And it was like three passes, and the Saints were already, you know, running, running almost into the, uh, into their attacking box. But then, yeah, like I said, just couldn't finish it off. Minamino with a poor finish. Um, but Jared Bowen with the assist on the first goal had a good run forward into the box. His right-footed weak shot was parried across uh, straight into the path of Fournals, who uh, who had an easy finish at the back post there. And I think the keeper for the Saints who. Didn't actually catch who it was in goals, McCarthy. but McCarthy. McCarthy. He probably should have done a lot better with um with that because he it wasn't it was not a very hard shot and he put it straight into the path of the uh, opposite winger. Um, but I thought the second goal for the um Hammers really summed up a lot of yeah a lot of, a lot of uh, really summed up a lot of the Saints season there I think especially that clearance from Redmond. Or the misclearance, I should say, that summed up his his and his team season. That was terrible. And again, the bow and four nails link up, winger to winger, uh, for the second goal with a good finish from four, from four nails. What did uh, what did you think of it? So I, I thoroughly enjoyed the also again flicking between this one, but I always get excited when Mikel Antonio plays. Just some good old fashioned stuff. You really do. Is it the other thing that I was quite impressed by was um, outside of four nails and his goals was Declan Rice's performance again, capped it off with a goal and. Did you see the little dance at the end after the goal? Him and Jaylings. Yeah, that was something. Yeah, he, he loves a bit of Jaylings dance, doesn't he? He does. Little um, boy band they've got going on there. But I think it's Declan, Declan accepting that he's now the second best player in the team. Obviously. <laughs> um, Job, what do you think about some uh, late cries for um, Antonio to get into the England's um, Euro squad? As a like now that the squads have been extended from twenty three to twenty six players, yeah, there's a couple of shouts to um, get him on the plane because he can do something different. Are you having that? I think I'm starting it. He if he if he's fit, <laughs> if he's fit, you should pick him because he just offers something different that like no other striker has. Ah, uh, yeah, so don't pick him then. He's always no. I'm get get him there. If, I I can't believe he wasn't in the original twenty three. He's so bloody talented when he's fit. Like even then, just the way that they played off him. In this game, I don't need a lot of possession when they have a bloke who can just like do simple things like that, and is also extremely athletic. Like it's just, he's just a handful. Like always, I want him in the squad, especially when he's not expected to start every game. Like he's going, he's not expected to start any games really in the Euros, so he can come off the bench and just make an impact. Because you'd be worried about his his fitness if he was playing every game mm. from the start. Oh, you'd be yeah, mad could, not take him. But, could be a good um, shout. Yeah. Anyway, so Southampton finish the season the way they have played it. Very underwhelmingly go down 3-0. So they finish 15th, which is very disappointing for them. And uh, West Ham finish 6th, second highest London club. Again, above Spurs, critically. Um, so great year for them. So next one, I know you were quite excited about this one, Barney, and there was a D- David McGoldrick stunner in here. Sheffield United 1, Burnley nil. Sean, I'm going to throw it over to you. Did you even look at this game? Uh, it, it come through the ticker at the bottom, but no, I can't say I paid much attention to this. Um, but yeah, both teams with uh, not a lot to play for, but I didn't like how Burnley's season sort of petered out. Lost their last um, three games and lost four of the last five. So yeah, not good signs going into into next season. Appreciate that they were found themselves safe um, at that point. Um, but yeah, Sheffield United, uh, a, a win. Um, which is a, a nice note to, to end on. But, yes, we will be saying goodbye to Chef Yonon. Mm. What do you think, Barney? Sad to see Chris Wilder and co go? Oh, just just disappointing the whole season from these guys. But, uh, yeah, I like McGoldrick's celebration on his goal. 
big uh, biceps up, flushing them off. But oh, yeah, God. apart from that, there was no point watching this game. <laughs> All right, so uh, Sheffield United 20th, Burnley 17th. Burnley surprisingly safe by 11 points in the end with 39 in, points. In 17th. That just shows yeah. how bad the three teams were below them. Scotty Parker. So let's move on to Fulham. Uh, Fulham nil, Newcastle 2. Uh, nice one from Brucey. They just keep pair- – if if the season had been 10 games longer, they could have won the league. My only point I want to bring up here is that Joe Willock has got seven in seven and the only person to have a better record than that for Newcastle is Alan Shearer. So Hall of Fame. Ooh. He sure would be next for the Hall of Fame. <laughs> have to be. Have to be. No, I, I genuinely think that if, if Newcastle had a fully fit squad for more than sort of, you know, 10 or 15 games this season, I think they would have done a lot more damage. You know, they finished 12th in the end, mm. which, I mean, it's kind of crazy that that's, you know, solely in mid-table um, uh, by the end of the season with the amount of injuries that, that they had. So I think, you know, Bruce could really keep on. and. Although their football wasn't great most of the time, there is aspects of their football that it, like is rather exciting, like bits and pieces of their play. So, yeah, I don't think it's all doom and gloom um, up north. Oh, what did you say? It's not all doom and gloom up in the turn. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I agree with you. I think I know. I think they know what they are, which is promising. Like they know what they can do and they know what they can't. And when Sir Maximin and Callum Wilson are there, it's a different, like it's a completely different proposition. Yeah, um, it's a bit. So, it's a bit like, no, a bit like a Burnley. Like you know, they know who they are, and they just it just works. And it's not going to work against everyone, but it's going to work against a large number of teams, and they're going to get results, and it's going to be enough to keep them up. And yeah, Newcastle yeah. just probably needs some like mid-table stability for a few seasons just to level out a bit because they're yeah they've they've been fighting relegation for the past few, and it's obviously not good for the the squad or the club or the town. So, All right, yeah. so. The Toon Army end up finishing in 12th, as Sean said before. Um, mm. Very disappointing for Fulham, who finished 18th and well and truly off safety. So next one is surprise packet of the season, Leeds 3, West Bromwich Albion 1. Sean, this probably was the result that I most expected going into the weekend. Yeah, and... Um, like again, Leeds finished the season rather strong, um, won four of their last five and ended up finishing in ninth, which is a pretty good um, finish for them. Obviously dubbed the entertainers of the league this year, um, scoring, you know, um, the goals were just absolutely flowing for them pretty much all year and it wouldn't be a Leeds team with, um, out or without almost closing out the 90 minutes with a clean sheet and then bang. Robson Carnu, 90th minute. There goes that clean sheet for Leeds United and it ends 3-1. But, yeah, Leeds dominated the ball um, in this game, 65% possession, um, and got their goals early in the in the, in the the game too. So, yeah, I thought this one was one and done early on. So, Barney, you were quite excited because Marco Bielsa has uh, re-signed for another year. I know you were quite concerned he might end up at Spurs and they might actually start doing something. Um but it's good news for Leeds fans, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's very good news for Leeds fans. He uh, famously only signs one-year contract extensions. He never uh, never signs on for longer than a year. Don't know why he's never fallen out with any any owners <laughs> or any other clubs. So it's, it's weird. It's, 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 you know it's coming this year too, and it's really exciting. He's one broken bucket away from flipping out and walking out in the club. But uh, no, I've, I've been thoroughly impressed with Leeds sort of second-half for their season, like you, you got the first half of the season, and they were like, yeah, like you said, enter, super entertaining, but also like very volatile. Like they'd be draw like first two games, they drew four all. Um, so like if that doesn't like tell you some nothing will, but they were like getting copying the easiest goals and against really poor oppositions, and there was a bit of a worry for, of them going down for a bit, and then the second half of the season, they've just solidified massively in the back. Um, I think they've really found their style of play um, across the whole team. And, yeah, they've been great, a great watch. Um, the goals are still flying in, which is good. And in their last 10 matches, they're actually the eighth most informed team in the whole of Europe. So they've had a very good finish to the season, seven wins, two draws and one loss. 
Um, so, yeah, very good finish this season. And it was great to see Pablo Hernandez in his last game for Leeds. He's been a bit of a, a trooper for them. He was down with them in the uh, championship for a lot of years. Um, he had a few good chances, couldn't couldn't steal one. Um, but he got subbed off and then the crowd was all chanting his name and he was, uh, he was crying in the stands. So you'd see it meant a lot to him and it was good to see he was honoured by the, uh, the fans. Mm, so Leeds, Leeds finished ninth. West Bromwich Albion relegated well and truly. So great year for Leeds, Paul, for West Brom. Let's quickly touch on the next one. Arsenal 2, Brighton 0. Uh, relatively exciting for Arsenal fans, but I wasn't getting too excited about this. What do you think, Sean? Yeah, I mean, Brighton weren't much, were they? A bit of a pushover in, in this game. Um, and it's one of those ones where you don't know where, was it Arsenal being um, on the front foot, being aggressive and, and getting three points? Or was it, yeah, Brighton just being a little bit on the on the beach um, and getting pushed over rather easily in the end? A strong finish to the end of the season for Arsenal. Won their last five games. Dominated the ball um, in, this, in this fixture. And Pepe. I think can slide a shot at the far post, like, Carney. That's his trademark, isn't it? Yeah, he, he's had he's had a he's had a reasonable season in the end. Ten goals um, and a handful of assists. So yeah, I, I don't think it's a, a bad season by Pepe. I think you know he's one of those signings that he seems to be a bit of a slower burn mm-hmm. than usual. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a there's a bit of work through for Arsenal in the off season. Do you see anything interesting in this one, Tim? Um, no, I agree with Sean. I think Pepe's had a, a good end to his season. And I think that it's just he's just been plagued by his um his price tag, really. Mm. From the start yeah. since he since he uh came in. It was like seventy or eighty million, I think, um he came in for. It was ridiculous. But like um yeah, Arsenal like again, Arsenal had a good end to the season and I think Brighton's season really finished last week when they um <laughs> they beat City at home in front of their f- fans for the first time in like you know, uh, 14 months or whatever it's been. Um, and so once that job was done, they were there was no way they were turning up for this game. Um, but, yeah, good uh, good game for Arsenal, good win. Odegaard looks very nice out there as well. Do you think he'll stay on for another season, possibly another loan, or he'll be go back no. to Real Madrid? No, I think he's going back to Real Madrid. I think they were Is very it- clear around that when they signed him too. It Is he going like- to get a game though? Huh? He won't get a game if Sedan's still there, although he's going to leave anyway. So Yeah, I think you're a chance. They have to eventually recycle that midfield at Real Madrid. So. <laughs> Not whilst Zidane's there, that's for sure. No. Anyway, so look, um, Arsenal finishing eighth, Brighton in 16th. Let's move on to the ones that actually mean something. Aston Villa 2, Chelsea 1. Sean, should Jack Grealish have been sent off? No, no. What do you think? Would you send him? Yeah, I would have sent him. He's just he's just been a little brat. Really? Yeah. It was a challenge on Mason Mount early in the first half. <laughs> that was wild. That, that was wild. That was reckless. Um, <laughs> it really was. They're mates too. Yeah, no, that's what I liked about it. I was like, he know, I think Jack's in the back of his mind's like, he's taking my spot at the Euros. I'll end this now. Yeah, exactly. That's sort of tackle you're playing on a Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he's black booked in there, hasn't he? Yeah, he did. But um, look, great result for Aston Villa, Sean. But what did you make of also Truro not celebrating the goal against his old club? Fan? Not a fan? No, not a fan at all. I mean, especially when the amount of service that um, he gave Chelsea, um, you know, limited to none. Um, yeah, no, nah, leaves a bad taste in my mouth. You know I'm not a fan of that. I'm more of the uh, um, Adebayor Type oh, yeah. <laughs> on those situations. Well, that's the best one. But Villa, fairly impressive to get this done. Like Chelsea didn't field a, a great side, but there was nothing out there. They should have been able to get the job done against Villa, shouldn't they, Sam? Yeah, it's a, a, another disappointing result for Chelsea. I think they really seem to to struggle without um, Kante. I think he just d- does so much for that midfield and for the team overall. I mean, like any team would love to have him in there, but like Chelsea, like we've been saying how good Chelsea have been. And now you're starting to see some cracks, cracks in the paint with uh without Kante in there. So I hope for their sake he's back for the um for the Champions League final on Sunday, or it could be an absolute shellacking from City. Um, and probably just for me screams that uh, they'll be pushing hard for Declan Rice in the summer because um, he would slot very nicely in there. Um, but yeah, I think Traore really came out with something to prove in this game. 
Um, and that's why I didn't really get why he didn't celebrate because you can clearly see he's really up for the game against his old team, like wants to show them what they're missing out on and then, yeah, doesn't celebrate on the goal. It was a bit disappointing. Yeah, I was kind of a bit lost on Chelsea's team and the amount of changes that they made, not only to the starting 11, um, but also to the structure of it. Mm. Like the the Champions I know they might have one eye on the Champions League final, but it's a, it's a week away and this is a big game for them. Yeah, exactly. So I think you could probably, if, you, if you're settled on your first 11, you could play them both, um, you know, the same players in the fixture because the, the fixtures are a week apart. Like there's plenty of time to recover. Between those, so yeah, I found it a little bit um, unusual the amount of changes that uh, the Tinker Man um, Tommy Tooks made. Um, I thought that was a little bit unusual. And the other thing that he's done, which is a little bit more subtle, is he's moved um, Reese James from wing back um, into a back three and swapped him with um, Aspera Queta, who was playing on the right side of a back three, um, was now playing sort of wing back and a little bit higher than Reese James. I'm not sure yeah. what <laughs> the thought process was behind that. Potentially it was to sort of um, negate the pace of uh, Ollie Watkins and El Ghazi trying to get in behind them, who, who um, Reese James is a little bit faster than Aspera Queta, potentially. Mm. Potentially he's got one eye on the Euros too for Gareth, just to slot into the back three. The old Kyle Walker. Yeah, I mean that's a that's the English right back predicament, isn't it? Um, you got Trippier winning the um, the title over in uh, in Spain and having a hell of a season too, which um, he's a little bit out of sight, out of mind. But I think he's probably been the best right back all season. Well, that's a risk. All right, so Chelsea, even with that loss, stayed in the Champions League spots ahead of Leicester City. That hurts. That really hurts. Aston Villa um, finishing eleventh. What did you make of Villa's season, boys? Is that is eleventh okay for them based on where they were, or like did it sort of just flatten itself out? I I think eleventh is good for them if they hadn't had the start to the season that they had. Mm. They started so strongly, like them. I think Everton were really strong at the start of the season as well, right? And that's probably why Everton's season seems like such a disappointment because both came out so strong and. Like we're there for at least ten games, and then really tailed off, and so that's probably why everyone thinks Aston Villa's had a worse season than than what they should have. But like they just escaped relegation last year, and they've gone up six spots. Um, so you'd be pretty happy as an Aston Villa fan. Yeah, what do you reckon, Sean? Um, yeah, I don't know. They've got a bit of leads about them, Villa, where they come away with some great results and then get fixtures where you think that they would pick up some points. Um, yeah, they sort of fall in a heap. So, I don't know. Does 11th feel okay based on, on that sort of perception? Feel, feel um, about right. Yeah, I think it feels about right um, for, for me too. They also lost their, best, they lost their best player for like two months as well, which is always going to hurt you. Oh, John McGinn. Um so just quick on last one, in this game, <laughs> did Villa Park seem louder than all the other grounds in while you're watching it? Or was that just my perception? No, it did. It did. Could it did seem be. very loud when when I was watching it. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of them. Like they've obviously been pumping a fair bit, but since fans have been in, because it's the second game they've been allowed in, so they're really taking advantage of it. But yeah, Villa Park did sound exceptionally loud. Yeah, can't wait to get football back there. It could be your, um, it could be your tube TV that you watch it on as well, Chubba. You know, the big back, so that could be it as well. I was well. sitting on the right because the left speaker's broken. Um, all right, so let's so Villa finished in eleventh, Chelsea in fourth, as we said. Let's move on to the performance of the weekend, Barney. I know you're big into the Everton form. My God, they were terrible. What? What a finish for uh, Man City after the season they've had and, you know, great to do it in front of their home fans. Um, Everton's awake. It looked pretty nice. I thought, I thought it was all right. I that's didn't about, care for it. I was too busy watching it get absolutely battered. That's, that, that's about my only highlight for them, I think. That's, that, that's all I had. It looked like City were actually taking the piss out of them. <laughs> that was so what bad. With, like the, oh, I think no. it's the second Aguero goal that's still – no, Phil Foden's goal. We're stealing passes it to him. He's like a yard away. I was like, they're actually taking the piss out of him. You know what I thought? The, like every single goal of all the five, you look at you look at all of them, and you're like, Jordan Pickford didn't have a chance to save any of those, mainly because his defense didn't turn up. But like they were also just like so well finished all the goals, especially the Aguero, like Aguero's first one, where he's like, he like 
under just sit, almost sits Godfrey on his on his butt, and then he just like out out outside the right like into the far post and Pickford sort of just watches it go past him like, geez, it's not even going to get close to it. But, yeah, they uh, they were really taking the piss and a very strong side um, that Guardiola put out for a game that didn't really mean anything apart from being in front of their fans for the first yeah. time. Yeah, well, I, I agree, Bunny. I thought it was a strong team, um, which makes me think that he was sort of trying to settle something or trying to work something out. Mm. Um prior to the the final this weekend because I think otherwise you would have started with Aguero. Like I don't see why, you know, it's his final game of the year. It's essentially a dead rubber for Man City. They want to, you know, make a big deal of him um, finishing up. He's got Rooney's record um, just in sight. Yeah, I found it unusual that um, he didn't start. But, yeah, obviously it didn't really matter at the end because he come on and Everton were um, pretty much checked out at that point. But, yeah, unusual team selection. Is, is- Aguero, the first player to ever get a guard of honor before a game and then not start <laughs> in his last game yeah, for the club. I thought, I thought that was weird too. Yeah. So he had, so tracksuit top off, walk through the guard of honor, tracksuit top back on, yeah. sit on the bench. 68 minutes, get stubbed on. Oh um, Do you remember John Perry's That was the most shambolic thing I've ever seen. That was the only. That was what I feel. Oh, that, that's I was when like, got... This is bad as John Terry's twenty-eighth minute nonsense that he had. Oh yeah, that was bad. Twenty-six. Twenty-six. Yep. Yeah. So, sorry. Um, all right. So City finished first. Everton disastrously finished the season in tenth after where they were. Just absolute shambles towards the end. But. It wasn't all bad news in the city of Liverpool. So Liverpool 2, Crystal Palace nil. Sure, not the farewell we'd hoped for for Roy Hodgson. No, not the farewell we hoped for. I was certainly hoping for um, Roy the boy to get a nice farewell and a win. Um, but, yeah, I think like Liverpool were um, a cut above in this game. Um, Mane with the goal, um, both of them actually, which – Hurt Mo Salah because Harry Kane over on the other fixture scored, which took him in front and therefore he won the golden boot. So um, for the first time in two years, Mo has not won the golden boot. Not real happy with that. But yeah, Roy the boy says goodbye and I think Liverpool were too strong for them at the end. Um, Liverpool also finishing the year with five straight wins and they slip into third. So a lot of time outside the top four and then they've just closed that gap and then, yeah, into third, which I know it feels – I know the ladder never lies, especially after 38 games and the whole season's done, but that feels a little bit cheeky for them slipping into third. So, Barney, a lot of the narrative this week has been around how this year has been a great success for Liverpool with the injuries they had. What do you make of that or do you think that's just Liverpool fans trying to protect their, uh, protect their ego a little bit? Uh, I think it's a bit of both. They're, they're a proud people in the north. Uh, but I think, like, like if you look at who they lost for, like, basically the whole season, they basically lost their best player in the team and the one that probably makes them so defensively, like, solid. And then their and other starting... Gomez. Gomez is all right. Yeah, but then there's their other centre-back, like, starting centre-back as well. For Gomez has basically been gone the same amount of time as Van Dijk. He's so, yeah, but like he was much more consistent last year. Like we only missed a few games, but like just losing that leadership in the back line of Van Dyke, like it just and I think the way they lost him as well against Everton with like a after the whistle blew sort of or he was offside incident. It was it was just the whole thing just really upset them. Um but I think I would be very happy if I was a Liverpool supporter and a few that I've talked to are very happy they finished third because I mean, ten weeks ago like you wouldn't believe that they would uh, they would actually finish in the top four, and uh, their form really tells that story because they are actually top of the European form table currently, last ten games. And so, what does being top of the European form table win you at the end of the year? Just third, third, third place in the Is Premier a- League, and you get a Champions League qualification. That's what you win. So it's a trophy. <laughs> no, it's what top of the go for every year. Yeah, yeah, it's a well done. <laughs> No, look, it was probably a, uh, was quite a strong finish from Liverpool, so they do charge into third as Leicester just slip down further and further. Um, but they'd be very happy to be playing Champions League football. And uh, Crystal Palace, they once they I feel like once they avoided relegation, they were done. 
They were absolutely done, and it was just Roy's farewell tour from there. But um, let's move on. So any other closing remarks about that last round, Sean? Uh, none. Move on, please. Yeah, I'm going to miss Roy as well. All right, so let's move on to the Europa League final. Barney, I know you're very excited about this one. Who do you like and why? I am uh, backing in the yellow submarine you're all, a the way, all the way. These red wankers from up north can get stuffed. Go Villarreal. Go Unai Emery. Up the boys. That's all I've got to say. Sean, who do you like in this one? Uh, yeah, I'm probably leaning towards uh, Villarreal as well. I just like the whole story of um, of their boss, you know, mugging off Arsenal, um, his old team inside the semi-final, and then trotting over to Manchester United and, and mugging them off. No, no, in all seriousness, I think Manchester United will do this um, rather easy against Villarreal. I think the golfing players is too big, um, and I think especially in a one-off game, um, yeah, Manchester United will be too strong for them. Um, I think Manchester United have had a nice little run towards the end of the season, had a good chance to sort of rest and rotate all their players, and so they should be uh, fully fit and firing. I think Harry Maguire was getting um, his last chance to train on Tuesday, so if he made it through that Tuesday training session, um, he was eligible for selection. I think it's going to be unlikely that he's going to be fit, Um, so you're just going to get Eric Bailly in there. Um, but I think, yeah, Manchester United will be too strong and I see them beating Villarreal rather comfortably. I'm predicting a 3-1 win here. Jobber, what have you got? Well, I, think, I think Manchester United are going to win comfortably. I think if Harry Maguire plays, it's even more comfortable. Um, I really hope Harry gets up for it because he's, he's had a decent year and he's coming for a lot of criticism, um, but it'd be good to see him play. But, yeah, I think we're just going to have too much quality for him. They're sort of, Villarreal have kind of limped over to the end of La Liga season. As you said, Manchester United secured second like pretty comfortably in the end. So we had the opportunity to rest some players and there were some pretty shit performances where they looked sort of half-assed. So I expect most of them are going to be rested and ready to go. So I reckon Manchester United should do it pretty easy. But let's move on to the main event. The one everyone wants to see, Champions League final, Sunday 30th of May, 5am Australian Eastern Standard Time. Manchester City versus Chelsea. Barney, who do you like in this one? I uh, am going to stay with Man City. Uh, I just think they're far too good at the moment. And I think especially if Chelsea are missing Kante and possibly Mendy now who got injured in that last game, um, if they've got to start Kepa, I mean, that's a big, big, big worry for Chelsea. Um, I think Man City are just far too clinical at the moment. They just know what they're about. They're absolutely purring and they're just going to, be far too strong for Chelsea. I think that um, if it's a full-strength Chelsea side, I think it'll be a, a good match and they'll uh, definitely put it to City, but I don't think they'll be able to um, to beat him in the end. I think City will come out on top. What do you reckon, Sean? Yeah, I, I, I think I disagree with Barn um, in terms of who's going to start. I think Mendy will start. I don't think Kepa will start, even though he's sort of tagged as the, the cup keeper. I see um, Mendy starting this one. Um, I do agree that Manchester City will be too strong for Chelsea. Um, I think they'll go on and, and win this game. I think it'll be tight early, um, but then I think Man City's class will, will separate the the two teams. I think Chelsea's form coming into this hasn't been great. I mean, they lost the FA Cup and have lost two of the last three. Um, obviously, lost to Villa on the weekend 2-1. Um, Kante coming off last week against Leicester with um, a little bit of hamstring trouble and didn't play against Villa um, on the weekend. So I think that's probably the big injury concern for Chelsea. I think the legs of Kante would really help um, City, especially in that midfield battle that I'd I'd say that um, City would have the the control over. So I think, yeah, I see City winning that midfield battle and then sort of separating themselves later on in in the game. Um, And I've got Man City to win. Yeah, so if Mendy doesn't get up for this game, because he ran into the post on the weekend, um, and I haven't seen anything to say that his scans have come back positively, but if if he doesn't get up for this game, City are just going to absolutely walk it in, aren't they? Like, it's just sad to lose him and to lose Kante potentially. Like, it's just going to be a no contest. 
Yeah, I think Kante is a bigger loss than uh, the Mendy, to be honest. I think you can't really go and break this um, this stronghold that City will have, on, not only on possession, but especially in the midfield without Kante in there. He's, he's the perfect anecdote to to this with his um, pressing skills and the amount of balls that he wins back. So I think that he will be a bigger miss than uh, Mendy. But I see, um, I see Mendy starting um, and I think Kante will start as well, um, but I don't think he'll play 90. But I mean, Mendy could only have one arm, but he hit the post pretty bloody hard. Like, I don't know. I don't know, Barney. Did you, did you see something different? Like, you think, I don't, I don't think you'll be able to get up for it. Uh, just what Tuga was saying after the game is he, he's like, we'll wait for the scans and we'll, we'll see and we'll do everything if he's able to to play. But I don't think he was very confident. So, I mean, he would have seen it as closely as anyone else. So, um, yeah, I think they're a little worried about Mendy probably not starting this one. And, yeah, like, like we all said, that's a big issue for Chelsea. All right, who's going who's gonna, to um, we... score first? Player. Or player. Ooh. Phil. Phil, yeah. Yeah, it is, it, is, it is right for a Phil Foden, Foden goal. But I actually think Mahrez might score. I think he'll start and Mahrez will score first. Yeah, give him yeah that's not a bad shout too. All right, boys. So we're, I think we're all agreed that City are favourites just by how much, really, um, depending on who goes out. I think, yeah, Kante, they're just not going to be able to overcome that loss if they can, if he's not fully fit. He is just so critical to being able to like run that counter-attack against City. Um, so last tip mm. I want from you, boys, is the richest game in football. So I believe one of our savvy pundits, being myself, tipped Brentford and Swansea to be playing in this one. Who do you like in the championship final, Sean? Oh, I think Swansea, but I really want Brentford to win. I really want Brentford to be uh, in the Prem next year. Oh, so I'm going to tip Brentford, but I'm not comfortable or confident with that. What do you th- What do you guys think? What do you got, Barney? Yeah, I, I feel the same way, Sean. It's really want Brentford to win, but I just think Swansea is yeah. going to win this one. Like we've talked about earlier about the – it's Brentford, the form team coming in, so it's right for them not to get into the Premier League, which sucks because, yeah, they really – they've had many attempts in, in recent seasons, um, last year being the most recent, and they're, they've got a good policy of that club with how they sign players and how the clubs run. Um, it's a very interesting little documentary on YouTube if you're interested. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're, a, they're a good club and you'd love to see them in the Premier League, but – yeah, I think Swansea may nick one, but I'm still gonna still gonna back Brentford. Yeah, Trevor, who you got? Uh, Swansea uh, did better to go through. I think Brentford got a real leg up with the red card in the playoff. I actually love this game. Um, this will probably be one of my favourite games to watch. So make sure you get up 12 a.m. on Sunday to watch this one. I am tipping Brentford to go through. I just think. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, I think with the red card last week, they're just gonna be absolutely brimming with confidence. Um, but these championship playoffs, anything can happen. Um, it'll be good to see Brentford up in the Premier League next year. And I wonder if a couple of the boys might come home, like your yeah, more pays and your yeah, Ollie Watkins, just to help them go on. But maybe that'll be nice. But so, but while Barney, while you fetch us a multi going into the weekend, um, Job, I just want to cover with you the Spain squad, which while we have been on air has just come out. Oh, shit. A couple of surprises. Mm. Well, yeah. So, um, what do you feel about the bombshell that is Sergio Ramos being left out of the squad? What? <laughs> yes, oh. Sergio Ramos is out of the Spain squad. The captain, the leader, that's, El Capitano, that, that's, Sergio Ramos, not in the 26-man squad. But don't worry. I'll tell you who has. Someone who's played plenty of football this year. Laporte. No, actually, he's played none for Man City. He's been right on the bench the whole time, and he's in. He's in. Another shock entry into the Spain squad, which, again, I remind you, Sergio Ramos out. But Adama Traore, of course, he's done enough. Get him in there. He's on the plane. Do you, know, do you know who else is in that squad? I'm just looking at it now. So if this isn't the Barcelona-Real Madrid rivalry coming to a force, so Eric Garcia gets picked. For, you know, you remember the Manchester City mm. Reserve? He's a, he's yeah, a third string, isn't he? He's yeah, he gets a gig in the Euro squad and Sergio Ramos does not. 
Yeah, so um, Luis Enrique is the um, Bar- or used to be the Barcelona manager, and for the first time that I can ever remember, zero Real Madrid players have been selected for the wow. Spain squad. That is crazy. Isn't that just outrageous? There, there, there is. There's no Real Madrid players been selected, and ex Barcelona manager Luis Enrique. Um, is at the helm. So I mean, year. we have not heard the we have not heard the last of this by any stretch. But there you go. So that's happened live on air. Barney, do you have a multi for us? I do, but it's not as exciting as that. Far out. <laughs> Maybe uh, you can tell us the story as to why Benzema wasn't selected in the France squad for six years. Next time we get to the same. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we can just go deep dive on uh, on blackmail. I think it's rife in that story. Uh, alrighty, so the multi this week, and I've gone a bit more, a bit more subtle, a bit more straightforward. Um, still waiting on any of our employees to reach out. Might have to um, force one of them into it. Uh, oh, you've already got their passports, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like bloody Amazon. <laughs> I'm signing them up for credit cards left, right, and center as well. Uh, but uh, great deals at American Express. Um, okay, a bit a bit more subtle this week. So I've got uh, first part of the part of the uh, multi is Villarreal to win. Straightforward, okay. easy. Uh, second leg part of the leg is Man City to win, and then that that oh, going into hard. Brentford to win. Tick. Ooh. So you got Villarreal into Man City into Brentford. Brentford. How much have you lost, Barney? <laughs> Ten Australian pesos on that one will get you back one hundred and fifty-four seventy-five. I'm going to put it out, oh, out there now. That will get you back uh, nothing. <laughs> You'll be down neg ten. I see value in there. On your first leg, it says potential winnings here, but it should just say guaranteed winnings. <laughs> You've just lost ten bucks. Um, <laughs> all right, so ten bucks will get you on my account here. It's one hundred and fifty-seven dollars and forty cents. But keeping in mind, I'd take Viral. I wouldn't take them at all. Um, all right. So if you're in touch with the show, email is footballplayedonpaper at gmail.com, Instagram footballplayedonpaper, Twitter at football on pods, and Facebook football played on paper. Anything else from you, boys? No, that's it for me. All right, let's get time, gentlemen. Come on, Virial.